Hello, Hindsight listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address a June 24, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh consequences for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Learn more by visiting podvoices.help. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek. That's Brandon. Today we're talking about space balls. Uh, like we said, we changed the format up where each week we will each pick a movie, go back and forth. So this week was Brandon's choice. He chose space balls and I am not mad at him at all. Uh, I do have questions. Brandon, uh, when was the first time you saw space balls? And how are you doing today? Good. Um, sometime in the 90s. I don't remember when, but sometime in the nineties. Like, did you did you see a video of it? Did you stumble across it on TV? Like, I probably watched it with my dad, maybe on HBO or something. I can see that. I love this movie so much. We saw this. I made the mistake of not seeing it when it first came out in the movie theater. I decided to see Benji the Hunted. Yes, instead of seeing an all-time classic, I wanted to see a movie about a uh, little furry mutt dog who ran through the forest being chased. I don't even know why it was being chased by hunters because the dog couldn't talk. But yeah, Benji was hunted. And I was like, oh no, Benji, I was seven. So instead of seeing Spaceballs, I went and saw this. My brother was nine or ten he went and saw space balls and he had a much better experience than i did even though at that time i didn't care i was i was seven i was like benji got saved and my dad was like i wish i only had one child how do you remember this this is nonsense what about the dog about benji the hunting the hunted it is nonsense but i remember viscerally the reaction that i had when um or that my dad had to having to watch that movie with me like he had to go in there and watch it with me instead of watching space walls and so he was talking cash money shit all the way through i remember that vividly but this movie is a mel brooks classic and this is in that span of time where he just couldn't miss. Like he had done um, Young Frankenstein. 
um, Spaceballs, um, Blazing Saddles, uh, The Producers. Let's see. What other They did that on Curb Enthusiasm, too. What, The Producers? There was a whole season with uh, Mel Brooks. As really? one of the main co-stars, and they did. It was with Davis, and basically he hired. He was doing the producers as a Broadway play, mm-hmm. and they had David Swimmer and Larry David as the main. This was the storyline of the show. They were the two star actors uh, on the show, so he was on pretty much every episode. Uh, and basically, the whole the whole season was about them doing the producers, which was great. <laughs> Like I said, every so often you talk about this, and I'm like, I might have to watch it. I, I, I might have to figure that out. Um, it's it, he is such a brilliant, brilliant writer. Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, and he's been doing this for years, like since '75. Um, he was the executive producer on The Elephant Man. He wrote The History of the World. Um, he produced The Fly, you know, the Jeff Goldblum movie. Um, High Anxiety, he was a producer, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. I mean, he did do Dracula Dead and Loving It, which, you know, I, I, I can't say shit to the guy, but can't all be magic. But I, I just, I, I love, I love Mel Brooks. I just think that he's like one of the most fearless uh, writers and directors in movie history because Blazing Saddles will go down in history as the one movie that will never be made again. They may make it again. I can't see a way that they'd be able to pull it off. But I'm sure that if they did, um, it, it would still be, folks would be like, this ain't like the original. It ain't no wacky D. And I'd have to agree. Like Mel Brooks just had a way, a, a joy of a, a joy of life that just seemed to come through in every movie he wrote. And I might be waxing poetic on it, but I really do believe that he is top ten all time. Django is brazen saddles in a way. I mean, they were stupid. <laughs> That's the one thing they had in common that the 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 white folks in both movies were inherently dumb, but Django Yeah. I mean, I could see it. I could. It's just that the lines that were pushed in 74 I don't think anyone would want to push in 2022. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 1974. They definitely do, do the racism bit. They they wouldn't care about that. But the uh, part about the uh, dancers, the the gay dancers, and everything, I don't I don't think that folks would do that now. And I don't think white folks would be too happy about the way they'd be portrayed. At all. I mean, they were they they were upset. I mean, I don't know. White people like Get Out, and I can't think of a movie where where every single white person was horrible more than Get Out. 
That is true. Everybody in that movie. Everybody. So yeah, were they were they okay with that movie, or were were they just yeah, caught up in the zeitgeist of it? Out. Huh? White people love Get Out. I mean, liberal white people did. I mean, obviously conservative white people did, but <laughs> they weren't. They they weren't going to. Yeah. No. So, Spaceballs is a parody, a satire, a satire of Star Wars and about the marketability. (laughs) It really is about the marketability of Star Wars and how out of control it had gotten. Yeah, did consumerism. I, did I, yeah, consumerism and how yes. out of control it had gotten. And that went directly over my head uh, when I was a kid. But as an adult, I sat there and just, wow. Like, it wasn't even the point where he, uh, where Mel Brooks as uh, Yogurt Yoda uh, showed up and started showing all the merchandise they were literally selling, including a, a small yogurt doll. It was the part where Dark Helmet and Colonel Sanders <laughs> lost track of um, Barf and um, Lone Star after they went to ludicrous speed. And so to find out what planet Barf and Lone Star and Princess Vespa were on, they pulled out Spaceballs the movie and watched themselves. They didn't really have a Luke Skywalker allegory. They did not. I thought at first it was going to be that yawning prince, but no. It was just, I, I I know that they told Mel that he could not um, have Lone Star wearing the Han Solo outfit. So instead they put him in an Indiana Jones outfit. And maybe that's why they named him Lone Star, because he was the lone male hero, the lone star in this movie. There was no Luke Skywalker. Who knows? But this thing apparently got much more popular over time. Do you think it's a cult classic or do you think it's just a classic? Um, I think it's a nerd classic. I don't know how much regular people like Spaceballs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Are you calling me a nerd? Yes. Um, I'm old enough. I'll take it. Yeah, no, I don't think my mom ever watched it. And I don't know if Nisha ever saw it. Did Brandy ever watch it? Yeah, she's seen it. She was watching it with me. (laughs) Oh, man, it's just I I love it so much. So starts off with them doing a Star Wars S text on the on the screen like it's it's, you know, literally. Everything is Star Wars. And at the end of it, reading through the 
telling him about the war between Planet Dridia and Planet Spaceball. At the end of the text, it says, if you can read this, you don't need glasses. No, the best part was after this, they show the ship. And it goes on forever. It's the <laughs> longest ship in the world. And it's just, it's like three minutes of they just like panning to the back of the ship. Oh, my God. And playing the same three notes of a song over and over again. Just dun 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 Oh man. Yeah, it's this huge ship which literally which which obviously is implying something about Darth Helmet and and um President Scrooge. Um but when we get to the end of the ship, it says we break for nobody. And inside we're shown that one of the cadets uh has contacted Lord Dark Helmet that they've reached planet Deridia. Did Mel Brooks do History of the World, too? Huh? Yeah. Mel Brooks do History of the World? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. And he's planning to do a part two on it. It's in uh, post-production right now. Hmm. But he goes over Dark Helmet's helmet (laughs) when Dark Helmet's like, good, I'll inform President Scrooge. And the uh, cadet is like, I've already done that, sir. And Lord Helmet takes out his uh, Schwartz ring, not the force, the Schwartz, and aims it directly at this dude's balls. And I'm just hoping it wasn't a force choke. I don't know. I don't know exactly what what that laser did to that dude, but he collapsed and had to be carried out. So I'm going to guess his, he got, he, he got castrated. Um, Duke gets carried out and then Lord Helmet informs Colonel Sanders that their plan, their, you know, their plan is to get to uh, Deridia's atmosphere and kidnap the princess and hold her ransom for air because they have no air on their planet. And I thought that was funny back then, but living how we're living now, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sure America would be the first one to build a spaceship and go out to space and steal air from Mars or something. So this ain't too far off the, uh, this ain't too far off the grid anymore. But Planet Geridia has a protective shield around it. What literally what looks like a garage door uh, that opens and closes to let people out of the planet. Mm-hmm. To keep their atmosphere and their air to themselves. Um, and we're shown Princess Vespa, who's the daughter of Druish King Roland. He's about to she's about to get married to Prince Valium. Who can't stop yawning. These names are just as ridiculous as Star Wars names. Yeah, exactly. And um she tells her dad she doesn't love the guy she's about to marry, and she don't want to do it. And she runs away, runaway bride. And her caretaker, a robot named Dot Matrix, who was played by Barbara Walters, uh, escaped in the new Mercedes. I thought it was Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. I'm sorry. I, I get those two mixed up all the time. I do. Honestly, they both side by side. I couldn't tell them apart. 
I just I said Barbara Walters because in the eighties I used to call her Barbara Wawa. Because that's how she sounded. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, they, must, they escape in the Mercedes space cruiser that Roland purchased her. Um, the next thing we see is Lone Star calling out for his right-hand man, Barf. Barf. And it turns out it's, it, it's a guy named Barf. He's half man and he's half dog. He's the Chewbacca role. And he's making himself... A uh, bowl of food. John Candy's. John Candy in one of his greatest roles. They get a call from an associate who of of Pizza the Hut. The associate looks like Max Headroom. Pizza the Hut looks gross. Yeah, it looks gross. Like, Pizza tells Lone Star that the job he was originally hired to do got screwed up, so now he owes him one million space bucks. And the money has to be paid in, I think he said, 48 hours? Or else. And then Max Hedrum says, or else Pizza will send out for you. It's a pretty good line, and they're laughing together and everything, and it's all good until the henchman literally leans over and takes a bite out of Pizza's face. He says, I love this guy. They made that stuff drip. Yeah. The cheese. Oh, my God. It. Oh, my God. It was horrible. I never want to see a pizza with a tongue in the middle of it again. Pizza the Hut. The next call they get is from uh, King Roland, who wants Lone Star and Barf to track down Princess Vespa. But he thinks that the Spaceballs might have gotten to her first. Um, and so they tell him that they will do it for one million space bucks. How much money did they owe Piece of the Hut? One million space bucks. They should have asked for more. Exactly. But, I mean, these calls are back to back and Lone Star did just wake up. They were smart enough to hit him with the, we're losing connection, going through a tunnel, going through a tunnel. Um, and they find Vespa, who is being pulled by a tractor beam into this huge ship, Spaceball One. Um, but Barf is like, hey, it's too late. I guess we should get out of here. We're, we're too late. That princess is dead. She gone. Let's go. And uh, Lone Star's like, nah, uh And Barf's like, uh-huh. And Lone Star's like, like, they won't even see us. And Barf's like, yes, they will. And Lone Star's like, because Barf's like, they have radars. They'll see us. And Lone Star said, not if we jam it. And so we go back to... Um, Spaceball one, the inside, where the guy from uh, Police Academy, the one who made all the sounds. Yeah, the black guy. The black guy. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there watching this screen. And when I was a kid, I didn't catch this, that he's making all of those sound effects until he turned around and kept making all those sound effects. I was wowed by him. I liked him so much. But he's, he's like, calls over Lord Helmet. He's like, we got a problem here. And he's on the... Um, walkie-talkies on the CB radio, whatever, loudspeaker. And Lord Helmet's like, hey, I'm right here. You don't have to use that anymore. 
and he's still using it, so he snatches it away from his hand, and he keeps doing the same voice, which causes Lord Elvin to look at the walkie-talkie that he has in his hand. It's hilarious. But he's like, hey, man, now tell me what the problem is. And he's like, we lost the bleeps, the sweeps, and the creeps. And Lord Elvin and Colonel Sanders are like, the what, the what, and the what? And he said, the bleeps. The sweeps. And the creeps. And Lord Helmet's like, that's not all he lost. And they start watching the TV and they watch the movie. No, that's not yet. Then they watch the screen some more and... Raspberry Jam starts coming through the screen like Lone Star shot the radar outside of this spaceship. Jammed it. He jammed this radar outside the spaceship and somehow the jam starts coming through the screen inside the spaceship. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? What are we doing? And the dude runs his finger across the, um, he says, it looks like we've been jammed. And Darth Helm and Dark Helmet runs his finger across the jam and puts it in his mouth, and he's like, "Raspberry." Only one man would dare give me the raspberry. Who is raspberry jam? Star. They don't even sell that, huh? They don't even sell raspberry jam. They do. They call that it sounds, raspberry preserve. Schmuckers does it, but they put seeds in it. It's not seedless. That sounds very sweet. It's it's good, but there's so many seeds, fam. Like. Oh, my God. You can't avoid them. Like, seriously, it's it's horrible with seeds. The flavor is great. It tastes good. Um, really, best way to eat it is you take a piece of sourdough bread and put some uh, butter on it, of course. And then you toast it to get that nice golden sheen. And then you put the... Um, the raspberry jam on top of that and the sweetness of the raspberry jam is offset by the sourness of the sourdough bread. So it just, it's incredible. Also, if you're feeling froggish, you could put a piece of cheddar cheese on top of it and make a grilled cheese sandwich, but that's just me. Trust me. He's wrong. I'm right. Um, Lone star decides to go into hyperspeed hyperactive speed to get away from Darth Helmet and Spaceball One. And they make tra- they 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 take off. Dark Helmet sees them taking off and they're about to shoot at them. He's like, we have them in our in our radar. Three, two, and then they go off into hyperactive speed. And he's like, what the hell? And Turtle said, like, we can't catch them. They're in hyperactive speed. And Darnell is like, what do you think we have? <laughs> I And so Colonel Sanders is like, okay, fine. Hyperactive speed going. <laughs> Dark Helmet is like, nah, man, that's too slow. We ain't going to catch them. We ain't going to catch them. We got to step it up. Go straight to ludicrous speed. And Colonel says, like, we can't do ludicrous speed. We've never gone straight to ludicrous speed. Dark Helmet is like, nah, man. I told you. Go to ludicrous speed right now. 
and Colonel Sanders hops on the loudspeaker and is like, we're about to start ludicrous speed, shut down the circus, <laughs> put the animals in the zoo into their cages, close them all. <laughs> and Dark Helm was like, give me that mic. Here it is. Ludicrous speed. Go. And Colonel Sanders has buckled himself in. Everybody else has buckled himself in. Dark Helmet has not buckled himself in. And they go at a ludicrous speed. <laughs> he goes flying like a missile. He goes flying. And they're like, hey, he's holding on to a pipe. He's like, my 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 throat is in my balls. My balls are in my throat. He says, stop this ludicrous speed. And Colonel Sanders said, I can't. It's too. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I can't. It's too dangerous. <laughs> and Colonel Sanders said, I said, or Dark Apple said, I said, stop it. And so he pulled the emergency brake. And that's when Dark Helmet flew like a missile into the uh, paneling of an electric wall. They flew over Lone Star and Barf. And bypassed them. And they were like, they, they're going so fast, they've gone plaid. Because, <laughs> you know, when you go at hyperspeed, it changes colors and all that kind of technical they stuff. They went past them by a week. Yep. Something In the like future. That. Something like that. So, Vespa... And um, they, they, run out of, they, they run out of gas. And they crash into a remote desert planet. And Lone Star and Vespa had already had one communicate through their intercom system. Where he finds out she's a Jewish princess. And makes a joke that's alluding almost to Jewish people. And Barf is like, funny, she didn't look Jewish. But they're in separate areas. Because she's in the back room and they're in the front room. And Lone Star still thinking about the way that she was talking to him. And he's like, I'm going to go back there and talk to her. She's probably the same as all the Jewish uh, princesses. Ugly, knock-kneed. And she's like, he's probably ugly and stupid. And they meet up in the middle and they're both stunned by their beauty. And Lone Star is like, yo, on this ship, you will call me idiot, not you, Captain. And she's like, well, you will call me Princess Vespa. Druish princess, daughter of Prince Roland. And Bart's like, you know, I'd love for this all happen, but it's a really, it's a really long walk. And we need to get moving before they turn around and we're dead. So Lone Star and Vespa get into a huge fight about what they could take with them. And Lone Star tells Vespa to take only what she needs to survive. <sighs> they get lost in the desert. And everything's hopeless. And Barf and um, Lone Star are carrying Vespa's royal matching luggage, including a huge steamer trunk. Which they finally drop and they're like, what the hell is in this? And they open it up and it's literally a hairdryer the size of your dresser, ladies and gentlemen. And he says, that, again, they're in the desert. There's no plug outlets anywhere. Where the heck would a plug power this thing anyway? But Lone Star said... In the said, Winnebago. I don't even know. 
Mm-mm. But Lone Star was like, I told you to bring only what's essential investors. Like, this is my industrial hair dryer, and I can't live without it. But they throw it out and drop it off and keep walking. They're like, it's much lighter now. This is wonderful. I could do this for hours. I could do this all day. And um, they get, it, it becomes night and it's cold. And so they have a fire, but it's still cold. And Vespa only has on a, her dress. And so she's shivering. And so Lone Star puts his jacket around her and she tries to throw it off. And he's like, no, don't be silly. It's freezing out here. And she puts on his jacket and they talk about the um, necklace that Lone Star has and how he doesn't understand what it says. It was given to him by somebody. He can't read it. It's in a different language. And they're about to kiss. But Dot Matrix's virgin alarm goes off and they're interrupted. They're about to kiss on the first night. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're two young, attractive people in space. What are you going to do? And so they are walking. Was for, hating. I, hmm? The robot was hating. Well, it's her job. She got a virgin alarm. You know, I'm glad none of the folks I knew had a virgin alarm. But, I mean, to be honest, we were all teenagers. It wouldn't have gone off for me, and I don't know if it would have gone off for them either. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <clears throat> so the next day after walk for hours it looks like they're goners like they literally drop even dot who doesn't need water she's calling for oil but she don't need water so she could have kept moving um, by the way that reminds me i've been i was on a rabbit hole the last couple of days on youtube just watching uh video clips from some of my favorite sports radio shows mm-hmm. so the Lepitar show and jim rome show Oh yeah! I forgot that Jim Rome used to have an adult alarm for 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 Michael Jackson. Really? It was a joke. It was a bit, and basically, it was like at, at Michael Jackson's house, he had an adult alarm anytime the adult was coming. Anytime the adult was coming to the house when he was with kids, the adult alarm would ring and let him know something's coming. Jim Rohn was the best. <laughs> uh, so this is when they go back to Spaceball One, where Darth Helmet is desperate to locate Princess Vespa. Uh, as President Scrooge informs her they can use her for ransom to get a crack at Druidia's heir. So in order to locate exactly where they are, Colonel Sanders informs them about a new technology they can use called Instant Video, where they can watch a movie as, as it's being made which means you know you're a movie, which means the fourth wall just got broken subtly. They were watching it with the actual scroll and everything. Yep. And they <laughs> get so funny. They get to the point where he calls ludicrous speed. <laughs> Rick Moranis, who is perfect in this role, is like, yo, fast forward past this. Matter of fact, burn this. Matter of fact, never show this again. And they fast forward too far and they end up at the point where they are in life. And Rick Moran's like, where's this? And he's like, now. 
And he's like, now? And he's like, yeah, where we are now is where we are now. And he's like, where, what about then? And he was like, that's in the past. We're now. And he was like, where's the past? And it's gone. He was like, oh, okay. He but, turns around and even looks at the camera. And they look at the camera. When I was a kid, that blew my mind. Like, how did they do that while they were recording the movie? Uh, I don't know. It was dope. Um, but they managed to locate the group on the moon of Vega. And Spaceball 1 heads to Vega to locate them in the desert. And Dark Helmet instructs his minions to literally calm the desert for the foursome. So they have four groups of people. Three white groups, two black guys. The three white groups all have big-ass combs. Again, the size of your dresser. And they're combing the desert. Literally combing it. Literally combing the desert, because that's what Dark Helmet wanted. And Dark Helmet is on his uh, radio talking to him, and he's like, have you found anything? And one guy says, no, not anything, Lord Helmet. And he asks the second guy, and he's like, have y'all found anything? And he's like, no, we haven't found anything, Lord Helmet. And he asks the brothers, and they're like, we ain't found shit. Because they realize the stupidity of calming a fucking desert. <laughs> like, carrying a desert in their suits. Like, the Dark Helmet, yes, he's out there wearing shorts, looking like he's on safari. But everybody else is wearing their full-on suits in the desert, combing the desert. I ain't found shit. They're taking, after uh, Lone Star and the group pass out, they're found by some dinks. I don't even know what their names are because all they say are dink, 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 dink. But they take them to Lord Yogurt's underground lair where he teaches them about the wonderful world of movie tie-in merchandising. Merchandising, merchandising. We have the Spaceballs flamethrower. We have Spaceballs cereal. Uh, I love this one. We have the Spaceball doll. May the Schwartz be with you. It's adorable. <sighs> we also have a scene that I, I failed to mention where uh, President Screw is in bed with the Double Mint Twins. And one of the uh, commanders calls him on his screen and asks him to come into come to where she is. They could beam him down. And he's like, is it safe? Is it safe to be beamed down? And she was like, yes, Scotty beamed me down twice yesterday. It was wonderful. (laughs) And he beams into the other place and his head is on backwards. And he's freaking out and everybody else freaking out and Scotty's freaking out. And so they beam him back into his other room and he's back to normal. And she's like, look, we could try it again. We could beam you over again. And he's like, nah, forget that. I'll just walk. And he literally walks into the next room over. These are these are the jokes. And they're perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what happens on Star Trek. They beam to go from one room to another when they can just walk there. Just walk right next door. And it's perfect. Um, so... He, back to now time, uh, Yogurt also teaches Lone Star the power of a magical force in the universe called the Schwartz. And he's teaching him how to uh, utilize it by lifting a huge statue of, of Yogurt that's on the wall or that's on that's ahead of them on in this uh, facility. 
and he lifts it up and Barf happens to walk in and he's like, hey, y'all, what's going on? And Lone Star looks over at Barf and loses his concentration and this huge statue falls on Barf's foot. And so Yogurt takes the ring and uses the Schwartz to lift it off of Barf, off Barf's foot and Barf's foot is like flattened. <laughs> and he's whining like a puppy. <laughs> And walks out muttering, cursing, and whining all at the same time. John Candy's one of the greatest. Um, Lone Star also asks Yogurt about the medallion that he has on his neck. And Yogurt looks at it and says, And Lone Star's like, can you you read it? And um, Yogurt's like, I'll just clear my throat. But yes, I can read it. And Lone Star's like, what does it say? And he's like, it's all to be revealed at the proper time. And Spaceball and Darth Yogurt uh, arrive at Yogurt's place. Or Darth Helmet, sorry, arrives at Yogurt's place. And Darth Helmet decides to trick Vespa into thinking that he's her father, King Roland. Mm-hmm. And she comes out and she's like, Daddy? And he's like, fooled you! <laughs> <laughs> and carries her away. And Lone Star, Dot Matrix, and Barf decide to go after her uh, and to also destroy Spaceball One in the process. Yogurt gives Lone Star the ring of the Schwartz as well as a and fortune, a fortune cookie. cookie. <laughs> Which Yogurt instructs him do not, oh, or you got to make sure you open it before eating it. He also hands them a can of liquid Schwartz as fuel to use if needed. Back on Planet Spaceball, Dark Helmet has arrived and presented President Scrooge with Princess Vespa, who they will use to as ransom to get King Roland into giving them the combination of Geridia's air shield, destroying Planet Geridia and saving Planet Spaceball. The way that they do it isn't to threaten to kill her or anything. They threatened to give Princess Vespa back her old nose. I know. <laughs> and Roland's like, oh, nah, anything but that. Anything but that. And so they're like, give us the combination. And he's like, fine, I'll give you the combination. You ready? <laughs> Helmet's like, I'm ready. And Colonel Sanders is right next to him, ready to write it down. And Roland literally sighs. The combination is one, 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 two, two, two. I'm going to just find the video. It's too fucking perfect. Oh, man. It, it, they literally, the combination is one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Long story short, which. Dark Helmet is so furious. He's like, that's the stupidest combination I've ever heard in my entire life. And he takes the combination to uh, President Scrooge. And President Scrooge is like, that's crazy. That's 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 my combination. I need to make sure that I change my combination. Fiend! What's going on? What are you doing to my daughter? Permit me to introduce the brilliant young plastic surgeon, Dr. Philip Schlotkin. 
the greatest nose job man in the entire universe and Beverly Hills. Your Highness. Nose job? I don't understand. She's already had a nose job. It was a sweet 16 present. No, it's not what you think. It's much, much worse. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Schlotkin will give your daughter back her old nose. Where did you get that? All right, I'll tell. I'll tell. No, Daddy, no, you mustn't. You're right, my dear. I'll miss your new nose, but I will not tell on the combination no matter what. Very well. Dr. Schlotkin, do your worst. My pleasure. <laughs> no! Wait, wait! I'll tell. I'll tell. I knew it would work. All right, give it to me. The combination is... One. 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 Two. 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 Three. 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 Four. 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 Five. 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 So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. Thank you, Your Highness. What did you do? I turned off the wall. Uh, Clayton, you turned off the whole movie. I must have pressed the wrong button. Well, put it back on. Put the yes, movie sir. Back yes, on. sir. Oh. You gotta get that thing fixed. We're back, and we have the combination. Slug it. What? We're done with you. Go back to the golf course and work on your putts. Let's go, Arnold. Come, Gretchen. Of course, you know I'll still have to bill you for this. Bet she gives great helmet. <laughs> that part went past my head too when I was little. Oh, did it work? Where's the key? It works, sir. We have the combination. Great. What's the combination? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. That's amazing. I've got the same combination on my luggage. <laughs> Prepare spaceball one for immediate departure. Yes, sir. And change the combination on my luggage. I've never locked my luggage ever. Yeah, me either. I, I don't know. I don't know. Barf Lone Star finally managed to head to Planet Spaceball and they locate Princess Vespa in a remote prison cell. They then hightail it out the prison ahead for Spaceball One, which has managed to successfully penetrate Planet Deridia's air shield. And they're like, we successfully penetrated uh, Planet Deridia, and in a moment we'll be inside her. <laughs> But in order to get the air out, they literally flip a switch and have Spaceball One transformed into a maid with a giant vacuum cleaner. It's a transformer. That big-ass spaceship is a transformer. Just as it looks like Spaceball One is successful, Lone Star uses his Schwartz training to turn the vacuum cleaner switch into the off position. That was a big-ass switch. Big-ass switch. And basically into the reverse position and all the air goes back into a druidia right before everybody dies and they're saved they then fly into the ear of the mega maid lone star flies through the uh corridors of the mega maid to face dark helmet and they have a schwartz measuring contest 
and they talk about how they are related to each other. Not so fast, Lone Star. Helmet. So, at last we meet for the first time for the last time. <laughs> Before you die, there is something you should know about us, Lone Star. I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former roommate. <laughs> What's that make us? Absolutely nothing! <laughs> Which is what you are about to become. <laughs> Prepare to die. You have the ring. And I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Now let's see how well you handle it. <laughs> so they battle. Lone Star, our um, Dark Helmet, accidentally cuts a cameraman for the movie. Yes. Like he, we forgot earlier when they were trying to escape, they got their um stunt doubles. <laughs> <laughs> they got their stunt doubles. Now turn around and face us. What the hell? <laughs> These are their stunt doubles. Oh, this movie. Nobody knows. It's coming from here. That can't be her. The trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. It's her. Nobody knows the trouble I see. <coughs> She's a face. Glory, what do you want? It's me. Lone Star, oh, how did you find us? No time to talk. Come on. We gotta move. Barb, how'd you do it? Good work. More big ones. Move for it. stunt my friends but all for naught turn around please ah what a pity what a pity so princess you thought you could outwit the imperious forces <gasps> you idiots these are not them you've captured their stunt doubles search the area find them find I mean, for what it's worth, they had just jumped through that door at the last second. That's a stunt double move. You captured them right after they jumped through that door, which means you captured their stunt doubles. That whole thing didn't really dawn on me until literally just now. 
Yeah, that fantastic. It, that if they had waited a few more seconds after capturing him, the regular folks would have been back. But since they captured him straight out of that, they captured the stunt doubles. And so, yeah, uh, Darth Helmet accidentally slices up one of the um, cameramen from the actual movie and blames Lone Star. And then they start fighting again and their Schwartzes get twisted up. Shit! I hate it when I get my Schwartz twisted. Okay, maybe if I put my leg up on yours, you know, we can split apart like... Good, yeah. Right. On three. One, two, three, go! So he couldn't hit Lone Star couldn't get through Darth Dark Helmet's helmet with his Schwartz. And so Dark Helmet starts laughing at him and lifts up his helmet to laugh at him. And Lone Star punched him dead in the face. And Dark Helmet runs at him to try and slash him with his Schwartz. But because he's so tiny and his helmet is so big, Lone Star just literally places a hand on top of his helmet and he can't get to him. So he just swinging it in air. By the way, Lone Star is played by Bill Pullman, the president from in Independence Day. So that wasn't his first time fighting aliens in space. Oh! Mm-hmm. So, Lone Star, yogurt has taught you well. If there's one thing I despise, it is a fair fight. But if I must, then I must. May the best man win. Put her there. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. (laughs) Very impressive, Lone Star. Too bad this isn't the wide world of sports. Use the Schwartz, Lone Star. Use the Schwartz. I can't. I lost the ring. Forget the ring. The ring is Bupkins. I found it in a Cracker Jack box. The Schwartz is in you, Lone Star. It's in you. All right. I'll try. Say goodbye to your two best friends. And I don't mean your pals in the winner, baby. Thank you for pressing the self-destruct button. This ship will self-destruct in three minutes. So, after he uses the Schwartz to get a, a, a mirror to fly to him, just in time to block Dark Helmet trying to shoot him in the nuts, he reflects the mirror, the, the laser blast, which hits Dark Helmet, which causes him to stumble backwards into the self-destruct mechanism, which is counting down, like, all the way down. 
Um, the space balls and everything inside the ship start to flee. Uh, that is, like, they have a finite number of escape hatches or escape pods. And Dark Helmet and Colonel Sanders and President Scrooge literally get bullied and punked out of each and every one. <laughs> including by a bearded lady who picks him up and is like, get out of here, man. The gorilla from the zoo, from the, from the zoo gets into one of the pods. Like they can't catch a break. And so they're sitting together, huddled up in the middle of main deck, waiting for time to finish counting down. The clock starts ticking and it's like 10, nine, eight, five, Four, and they're like, what about six? And they're like, and she says, just kidding. <laughs> and then it's three, two, one. Have a nice day. And they're like, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Lone Star, Barf, Vespa, and Dot Matrix get out. They learn that Pizza the Hut got stuck in an area where there was no food. So Pizza the Hut ate himself. We also find out that after the ship self-destructed, Mega Maid's head crashed on an ape planet. And the apes are horrified to discover that their planet's being taken over by space balls. They literally say, oh shit, there goes the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So Lone Star and Barf head to Druidia and drop Vespa off at the castle. And they resume where they had left off uh, with the princess about to marry Prince Valium. But she still doesn't want to. And as they walk down the aisle, Vespa's mad. Lone Star took the money and ran. And her dad tells her he didn't take the money. He only took enough for gas and food and, and essentials. You know, he didn't want the money. And Lone Star and Barf were seen at a random space gas station filling up and stopping in the diner. And they're horrified by the content of today's special which literally causes an alien to pop out of a guy's stomach. And that's the guy from Aliens, right? Who? The guy who the alien pops out of his stomach. Was he from the movie Aliens? I, I, I don't remember that movie. I don't remember that movie either. Oh, it's going to be my first month if we were still doing the month thing. Yeah, I thought you had seen it. Okay, well, then this happens. Hiya, big stuff. My dream. What do you have? We just got a couple minutes while we're gassing up. What's ready? I can give you the space soup or the space special. Um, I'll have the soup. Okay. I'll have the cleavage. They're special. Okay, one special and one soup. So, we were lost. None of us knew where we were. And then Harry began feeling around on all the trees. And he said, I got it. We all Pluto. <laughs> and we said, Harry, how can you tell? He said, from the bark, you dummies. <laughs> from the bark. <laughs> Is he all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cat digs me. Hey, what's wrong with this guy? I don't know. Drink some water. Water my ass. Bring this guy some Pepto Bismol. Waitress, waitress. What did he order? Oh, he had the special. That's what I ordered. I changed my order to the soup. Good move. 
out again. So they call for the check and dip out. Bart's still hungry, so they, uh, he's like, give me that fortune cookie that yogurt gave you. And Lone Star's like, don't forget to open it before you eat it. And they open it up, and it's, it's yogurt. Telling Lone Star that he's a prince. He knew what the, you know, what the inscription on the necklace said the whole time. He's a prince. Mm-hmm. And he's a Druish prince. And so it's a royal birth certificate. And if they hurry, Lone Star can have a princess in this future. And so they quickly turn around and head back for Druidia. Um, but they didn't really get enough gas. So they used the special uh, Schwartz fuel, which literally caused them to put fire across the sky. And just it looks like the wedding is unavoidable. When the preacher gets to the speak now forever hold your peace part, Lone Star shows up and tells Vesper that he's a certified prince and asks her to marry him. And she shoves Prince Valium off to the side and they get married and they all sell off in the deep space in the Winnebago. And that's it. One of the best movies. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like nothing I could do would ever give it justice. But I was watching it a couple of days ago before we uh, started, you know, when you said that this is the movie you wanted to watch and laughed all the way through it. Also, the Millennium Falcon from the Star Wars saga makes a cameo appearance in this movie. Right. If you take a close look at the exterior of the uh, space diner, it can be spotted parked there next to the other vehicles. George Lucas got a chance to read the space pl- the screenplay before production began, and he loved it so much that he decided to have a special effects company, Industrial Lights and Magic, help make the movie. Oh, that's cool. And in a 2013 television interview, Brooks stated that he personally obtained George Lucas's full permission to parody any and all things Star Wars related, but on one condition that absolutely no merchandise of any kind be produced from this movie. That's the reason why all yogurt and the dinks do is merchandising. And it's why none of the merchandise seen in this movie were ever mass produced or publicly sold in any way. (laughs) There's a scene where dark helmet is playing with his dolls. And uh, it was completely and totally improvised by Rick Moranis. So, Princess Vespa, at last I have you in my clutches to have my way with you the way I want to. No, no, please leave me alone. No, you are mine. Not so fast, Helmet. Lone Star. Yes, it's me. I'm here to save my girlfriend. Hi, honey. Now you are going to die. Oh, oh, oh. 
Hey, what you doing to my friend? The same thing I'm going to do to you, big boy. Oh, oh, and you too. Oh, oh. Now, Princess Vespa, at last we are alone. Oh, no, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Leave me alone. Yet, I find you strangely attractive. Of course you do. <laughs> Druish princesses are often attracted to money and power, and I have both, and you know it. Oh, leave me alone. No, kiss me. No, no, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes. Oh, 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 your helmet is so big. Lord Helmet, what? You need it on the bridge, sir. Knock on my door. Knock next time. Yes, sir. Did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good. That was completely improvised. Mel Brooks came up with the idea on the set one day and Rick Moranis did the rest. I can't. It was perfect. John Candy ad-libbed the line, oh, that's going to leave a mark after standing up without undoing his seatbelt. Um, Rick Moranis suggested John Candy for the role of Barf. This was before Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. After Ghostbusters. Yes. And yes, that is the guy from Alien. He said that Mel Brooks talked him into self-parenting his role from Alien by making it sound like it would be a brief walk-on cameo. But when he came on the set, he realized that it was an entire spoof of the chestburster scene. And he figured that he ought to have asked for a salary. <laughs> <laughs> During his scene, Michael Winslow did most of the sound effects. And Mel Brooks jokes that they saved around $1,000 while letting him do that. What are you doing next? I think the next one we're going to do, it might be Dick Tracy. Oh, that's like Al Pacino, one of his greatest roles. Nothing else really matches up to it in my mind right now as far as movies I want to watch. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think I think we're going to do Dick Tracy. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And I, it's on Voodoo, so you can watch it there. Um, Brandon, you got anything coming up? Nope. Okay. Me neither. Um, y'all can, uh, check out Brandon on Twitter at that cool black nerd, black is spelled B-O-K. Uh, you could usually find me under Ratchet Book Club and the show's Twitter is hindsight reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S. Um, you can leave a review for the show on Spotify. Uh, you can also leave a review for the show on Podchaser, copy and paste that in the Apple Podcast, and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. I did want to let y'all know that I have taken um, the majority of the other feeds from other shows off of Hindsight. I do want to keep this one strictly for movies. So previous stuff uh, for shows and, and some of the books I did on Ratchet Book Club are on here, but I took off all of the Orphan Black because we're not going to have any further episodes on this feed. Um, and I took off um, from the corner of his eye for Ratchet Book Club because we're not going to have that on this feed. Uh, please check out Ratchet Book Club. Um, please check out uh, the Another One podcast. Um, it's called Another One, an Orphan Black podcast. Um, and you could support them there. But I just felt like the feed was getting too jumbled. And I didn't want y'all to feel overwhelmed. So Brandon and I are going to strive to have 
uh, more. We're going to strive to be better with getting these shows out, but we have a lot to do. Brandon is literally like renovating his house step by step on his own. That's dope. And I have AAU and next week we have a tournament and two weeks from then we have a tournament. So after that, when we hit uh, August, we'll be back at it. I promise y'all. Um, but you can uh, donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. And all the money goes towards buying movies for this show, buying books for Ratchet Book Club, and buying TV shows for Return to Oswald uh, series. Thank you all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. The theme music for Hindsight is The Insider Theme by The Insider. You can find this song on the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast.